0: That started in um, Genesis chapter 12. And in verses 1 through 3, he says that he will make Abraham's name great and um, he will create a great nation through Abraham. Um, He again reaffirms this promise a few verses later in verse 7 where he says they're looking over the land of Canaan that God has brought Abraham to. And um, he says that everything that, that Abraham sees, all of this land, he will give to his offspring. And again, a chapter later, he reaffirms it in chapter 13, verses 14 through 17. But the problem that we run into is that it says that Abraham's wife, Sarah, was barren. She couldn't have children. And so we go 10 chapters later. We're going to be in Genesis 22 tonight, and we'll see that God has promised Abraham a son. He's given him a son, Isaac. Isaac has grown a little bit, and then we'll read about The sacrifice of Isaac, many of you know this story. So it's Genesis 22, um, starting in verse 1, going through verse 19. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Imagine you are Abraham, every promise God has ever made you is held together in your son, your son Isaac. And it it kind of reminds him in this time, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to this land and sacrifice him. That would be difficult if you're Abraham, I would imagine. But we see... As we're looking in verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning. You could also say that he rose first thing in the morning. There was no hesitation. He rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from from afar. So this was a three-day journey. Imagine this weighing on you for three days. And as we'll see in a little bit, Isaac doesn't know. He hasn't told Isaac yet. So Abraham knows this, and he's got to deal with this on this three-day journey. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, "'Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you.' And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son.' And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. I want you to notice the progression of events in that verse. There is still no hesitation. Listen to this again. Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. He's not stopping to think about it. He's not stopping to take a break. He is still immediately following after God, what God has called him to do. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. So this is not a drill. This is a real thing. This is about to go down. But look at God's response to Abraham's faithfulness, starting in verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And then we see in verses 15 through 19, the rest of the, well, the rest of this chapter, God is again reaffirming his covenant with Abraham as he does all throughout pretty much all of these chapters, chapters 12 through, and it actually goes on through 23 or 24. But so many people, they look at this and they see the overwhelming faith of Abraham. And in this chapter, he had unbelievable faith. But it wasn't, he didn't always have that. God molded him into the person of that faith, into the patriarch of the faith that we know today. And so there's a couple of things that we see. We see that Abraham's faith came from going through hardships. I mean, just at the beginning, starting at the end of chapter 11, actually, we see that Abraham and his family are on the way from where they lived in Ur to Canaan, and they stop in Haran, um, which is about kind of a midway point between that point because his father, Terah, dies. So they stop there, but they get kind of comfortable. They stay there for a while. And if you know anything about Haran, Haran was, just a quick background, it was in the Fertile Crescent, as it was called, and it kind of made an, an arch or a crest, and Haran was at the top of that crest. And so not only was it a fertile land because it was in that area, but it was a major crossing point between many nations, many parts of the world. It was very wealthy, very fertile. Anything they could have wanted was there. But God tells him, keep going to Canaan. Continue on your journey. So he does. And we see that the first thing that happens when they get to Canaan Canaan, is there's a famine, and so he has to keep going to Egypt to look for food and probably work. Shortly after that, we see that his nephew Lot, who's been with him, who I imagine at this point is kind of like a son to him because he doesn't have Isaac yet, he doesn't have children. Lot's kind of the closest thing he has. They're going to they're gonna kind of split up and they're going to dwell in different places. And so he allows Lot to choose where he's going to dwell and then Abraham's going to go to the other place. So Lot looks around and he sees this area that's very green, it's very fertile, there's a lot of people there and then there's this desert that's Canaan and there's pretty much nothing. And he looks at Abraham who again has pretty much been like a father to him who's taken care of him through this whole journey and he says, y'all take all the good stuff you can have the rest. Thanks, I appreciate it. Then almost immediately after that Sodom which is where Lot chose to live gets captured by surrounding armies And Abraham has to go in with a little bit over 300 of his trained servants, and he has to go and he has to rescue Lot. And we see events like this all throughout the life of Abraham, just constantly. And it actually says, Stephen, um, the martyr says in Acts 7, that Abraham owned not even a foot's length. He owned nothing. He dwelled in Canaan. He had nothing that he called his own. But God promised him an inheritance the second thing we see throughout these verses is or throughout these chapters rather is we see that Abraham was not always the man of faith that he later became God molded him into that man actually we see in Joshua 24 2 that when Abraham was called many people think Abraham was called by God because he was such a great man of faith but we see that in Joshua 24 2, it says, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. They're talking about the land of Ur, where they lived. Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Ur was a polytheistic pagan nation, meaning they served many gods. And so that's what Abraham and his fathers and his family were when God called them. We see twice that Abraham feared for his life at the hands of rulers, once at the hand of Pharaoh and again at the hand of King Abimelech. And so he makes his wife, Sarah, who is very beautiful, pretend that she is his sister because he knows these rulers are going to want to take her in as a wife, and he knows that if they know he's her husband, they will kill him. So he makes her pretend to be his sister. He doesn't even, I hate to use the word courage, okay, but... He doesn't even have the courage to lie to them. He hides and gets her to do it. And also, we see that the Lord punished Pharaoh the first time, not Abraham. He punished Pharaoh and his household. And he was prepared to punish King Abimelech, but King Abimelech never touched her in a sexual, intimate way. And so he did not punish King Abimelech, but he did make Abimelech give her back to Abraham. Many times he questioned God. Many times he asked God, why? Where's my son? You promised me this. I don't see him. He's not here. And God never does anything but reaffirm him and continue to protect him and be faithful to him. when he has every reason to get frustrated and just say, you know what? I take it back. You don't trust me? I'm not doing this anymore. He doesn't do that. And that's the third thing we see is that God continually protects Abraham and keeps his covenants and his promises. And he does this through providing him a son. He does this through protecting him from rulers of other nations that would be coming in to attack. And so this is really short, but... uh, I just want us to understand what God's doing here. So many people read these chapters, these verses, and what they see is they see Abraham's abundance of faith. But what we need to see is God's abundance of faith, faithfulness, and keeping of his covenants to Abraham. Because the same God that kept his covenants to Abraham, that followed through with what he said he would follow through with, is doing that for us today. But it's a little bit different with Abraham than it is with us because with Abraham, the way he followed through with his covenant with Abraham was he provided another way for Abraham to where Abraham would not have to sacrifice his only son that he loved. But the way God kept and continues to keep his covenants to us is he willingly sacrificed his only son that he loves. His son that is holy and perfect and righteous, and he took the place for us. And the application is so simple. We have this word to show us that God is faithful. We have this word to show us everything that he's done for Abraham and everyone all throughout history. And so when we read this and we get to know him, that's what we should see. We should see the character of God and his love and his faithfulness to his children. And all we have to do is trust and have faith. That's all we have to do. He's given us more than enough reasons to believe in him, to have faith in him, to put our trust in him. We just need to stop fighting it. Just We, we need to give in to the Lord because he is faithful to us. Father, thank you for your word, your word that is so strong, that is saturated with your faithfulness in every story and every chapter and every verse over and over and over again. It's saturated with your love for your children and how you protect them and take care of them through every circumstance and trial. So I pray that as we read this, we would believe it. We would believe you and who you say you are and what you say you have done that our trust would be in you and you alone and that we would not be distracted. And as we have nights like tonight where we get to have fun, we get to enjoy each each other, we still wouldn't be distracted from what we really come in here for. And that's to worship you and the covenant making and keeping God that you are. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son who died for us according to your will so that we would have a way out of sin, we would have a way out of hell that we so much deserve. Again, thank you for this, Father. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.